Hello, and welcome back to Safekeeping, a podcast about family relationships, safety, and well-being brought to you by the Joe Torrey Safe at Home Foundation. My name is Gabby, and I'm Safe at Home's Family Outreach and Program Operations Coordinator. My role is to educate individuals about the impacts of domestic violence, as well as aid in program evaluation. I'm here with my lovely colleague, Rachel. Rachel, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Good morning, Gabby. Hi, everyone. I'm Rachel. I'm a board-certified licensed mental health clinician, and I'm one of the clinical supervisors for Safe at Home's Margaret's Place programs in New York City. Just a little bit about Safe at Home. We were founded by Joe and Allie Torrey in 2002 with the mission to educate to end the cycle of violence. Through our Margaret's Place programs, we provide healing, hope, and empowerment to youth who have experienced trauma related to violence, and that includes domestic violence, intimate partner violence, and being witnesses to that as well. Today, we are going to talk about conflict resolution in all types of relationships, so familial relationships, friendships, romantic relationships, and really what it means to have healthy conflict resolution. So Gabby, can you define conflict for us in the context of a relationship? Definitely. So when we think about conflict, we're usually referring to a disagreement or argument or opposing ideas. So when we think about conflict, we often associate it with negative connotations like fights or arguments. And while this might be true, conflict occurs in all relationships at different times. So conflicts can be minor, like disagreeing on what to order for dinner, or it can be major, like an argument that has name calling and ends with people not speaking to each other. Regardless, it's important to remember that there are healthy and unhealthy ways to manage conflict in all relationships. So Rachel, can you walk us through what is healthy versus unhealthy conflict? Absolutely. So when we are thinking about conflict and we're thinking about a healthy response to conflict, because Gabby, as you said, conflict happens in every relationship. There's, there's really no relationship where there's there, where conflict doesn't exist. Right. So when we're thinking about healthy conflict response, we're thinking about responses and reactions that are rooted in ideas like working together as a team, creating and building trust and respect, which ultimately strengthens the relationship by finding solutions together. So thinking more behaviorally about what this looks like, a healthy response includes taking accountability for one's own actions and your own feelings. This can look like using feeling statements. I feel blank when blank. It also includes actively listening to the other person or people as you're all trying to resolve the conflict. In contrast to that, an unhealthy conflict response is really rooted in wanting to gain power or control, wanting to, to quote unquote, be right or to get your own way. And this ultimately results in a breakdown of trust and respect in the relationship, more conflict arising, and also negative feelings on all ends that might become more difficult to repair. So 
behaviorally, some unhealthy responses include things like talking over each other, yelling at each other, name-calling, belittling, or refusing to come up with a solution or a compromise that works for everyone. Thank you so much for outlining that for us. So when we think about how to prevent and not only prevent, but also manage conflict, what are some ways that our listeners can engage in preventing and conflict management? Absolutely. So I think it's really important to think about the fact that ideally we'd like to prevent conflict as much as we can, right? Um, Especially to prevent it from escalating. And sometimes conflict is just unavoidable because maybe someone does something that hurts your feelings and you need to address it. Or maybe you just have completely different views than someone who you have a relationship with. And again, we're talking about any and all types of relationships here. So family relationships, romantic relationships, friendships. So even though conflict is inevitable, there are points where it can be prevented from escalating to a point that becomes unmanageable. So here's a couple of ways that we can mitigate negative conflict in any relationship. So if you need to talk about something that you know maybe will cause conflict or you're addressing a conflict that's been going on, the first step to really doing this in a healthy way is finding a time that works for everyone involved to talk about the topic. Give those involved time to decide when everyone can come together to talk. And this helps to give people time to formulate their thoughts, formulate their ideas, and think about how they want to share them. A good example of this is, let's say there's something going on with your partner and you guys need to talk about it. And, you know, there's a, there's a minor conflict or someone's feelings are hurt over something. A great way to do this is to say, hey, I know things have been going on with us. We feel like we're not on the same page. I feel like there's some conflict What's a good time that we can sit down and talk together? Are you free today after work? Can we sit down together for dinner and talk this out, right? Because this gives the person a time frame. It gives both of you some space to think about what you want to say. And it's easier to resolve conflict and to address conflict when you're prepared and you're not in the middle of a million other things. I think sometimes what's hard with this is, especially with texting, being so immediate, we have this feeling of, oh, I can just, like, let me just text this person. Like, let me just work this out. And sometimes that's not the best way to handle it because if that person is having a not great day at work or they're in the middle of things or they really can't devote their time to that conversation, we're kind of already setting the conversation up for failure. Another tip for how to prevent conflict from escalating or how to manage it better is to address things when they happen and as they happen. So sometimes conflict arises naturally and quickly. And if we think about an example of this, if you've ever had a partner or a friend say something, even if it's unintentional, that hurts you in a moment, right? Maybe it's kind of a snide remark or just being sarcastic Instead of waiting for weeks and like stewing over the incident or really holding on to it, try to address it in a more timely way. 
Because the longer we wait to address conflict, the more we begin to harbor feelings of resentment towards the person and maybe start thinking of other little things that kind of build up our anger. And we tend to become more explosive or more argumentative when we're trying to deal with the original conflict, as opposed to just taking the person to the side, maybe in the same day even, and saying, hey, I know you might have been joking when you said that thing at the dinner table today with all of our friends, but I want you to know it actually really hurt my feelings and I didn't appreciate it. And I just wanted to share that with you. Another way that people can engage in these types of conversations to make them more safe is to actually create a safe space for them. So both find a physical place and an emotional place that feels safe for the people addressing the conflict to say and hear what needs to be addressed. So this could be maybe if you're addressing a conflict with a friend or someone who's not in your home, meeting in a neutral place, right? Maybe meeting in a park or a restaurant, somewhere where you're kind of on equal equal turf, so to speak. This can also be with someone in your home. Creating a safe space can be coming up with agreements within your family about how you have these conversations and making sure people follow them, right? Making sure maybe having like a a family contract of how you create safe space for each other. And the final tip here for how to manage conflict or to prevent conflict from escalating is being willing to listen. So a lot of times we come into conflict and we're hurting or we're upset or maybe we're embarrassed for the way we acted. Maybe we feel sorry for what we did. Listening to what everyone needs and listening to what others need can help you to better understand how to come up with a solution. So even though we all want to have our needs met, it's really important to remember that part of resolving a conflict is about finding a solution that's a compromise for everyone. And this doesn't mean giving up your own points of view, right? Sometimes a compromise for everyone might simply be, you know what, let's all agree to disagree right? Let's agree to disagree. And maybe we don't address this topic when we're together because it just winds up in hurt feelings. That's a compromise. Um, And really, again, really listening to what the people who are involved are saying and trying to see things from their point of view as well as your own. Because a lot of times something that de-escalates conflict quickly is everyone just feeling validated and heard and feeling like they're being understood? Even if the person you're talking to doesn't agree with you, just knowing that they heard you and they understand where you're coming from can really help in the healing process as opposed to everyone trying to come in and change each other's minds or make everyone see things only from their perspective. Yeah, I think that you brought up some really great points, Rachel, and and one that stood out with me uh, stood out for me particularly in the context of safe at home is the idea of creating a safe space and finding a place that feels safe for all people. And I think it comes back to a lot of the core of why we view Margaret's Place as such an integral part of the school experience and being able to kind of have this safe haven 
to be able to work out things, whether or not it's with another person or whether or not it's with yourself, working through conflict in a place that feels comfortable and feels like you can kind of let go or open up a little bit more helps and allows for a little bit more free flow of ideas. So I think all really great ideas. Thank you so much and appreciate your expertise on this. So thinking about the more of the end process, when we're thinking about resolving or resolutions, how can people resolve an already escalated conflict? That's a great question. And it's a tough one too, because while we really want to try to manage and prevent conflict as much as we can, as we said, conflict is inevitable, right? It happens in all relationships from something as minor as not agreeing to what to make for dinner to something as major as having, you know, core values and beliefs that differ from each other. And sometimes conflicts escalate despite all of our best efforts. Sometimes we say things that we feel like we shouldn't have said out of anger or someone hurts us and we want to forgive them, but we don't know how because we're really upset. And it's important to remember that even when a conflict escalates, it doesn't have to be too late to address it. Ideally, we want to use the best conflict resolution skills that we have to try and stay calm and come to solutions and compromises as quickly and easily as possible. And sometimes, like I said, our emotions just get the better of us and we have a hard time staying calm. And that happens. It's part of human nature. So the great thing about relationships is that generally they can be repaired if everyone who's involved in them is willing to take a break and take accountability for their role in the conflict. So once a conflict has escalated, one step to try and de-escalate the conflict is to just take a break, right? If you notice that you're having a hard time staying calm, and this could be noticing physical changes in your body, right? Some people have a really physical reaction to conflict. Maybe your heart starts racing. Maybe you start getting flushed. Maybe you feel like you're going to cry or you're already crying. If you feel that coming on for you, if you feel yourself getting to the point where you're like, I'm going to use language that might be hurtful or someone else is using language that's hurtful to you, whether it's cursing, whether it's name calling, um, And especially if things begin to escalate physically, if there's things being thrown or there's physical threats happening, that's when we're really getting outside of conflict and getting more into like an abusive behavior. What we really want to encourage people to try to do in these instances is to offer to take a break from the conversation and come back when everyone can speak calmly, right? So if you feel yourself getting worked up, if you notice the person you're speaking to is getting worked up, if we're starting to go down the path of like people are just being mean because we're angry, take a break, call it quits, come back to it later. And I want to note here that this is something that really works best in relationships where there's an equal balance of power. And what I mean by that is taking a break might not be possible in relationships that are abusive or where one person is trying to gain or maintain power and control over another person. So that's really where we're getting into that intimate partner violence or domestic violence. So in instances like that, if 
conflict is escalating and an abusive partner is becoming increasingly abusive, that's where a survivor of that abuse would really want to speak with a professional to come up with a safety plan for themselves and for anyone else in the home. Also, just speaking of an equal balance of power, a lot of times people kind of hear this phrase and they don't think of parent-child relationships as a relationship where there's an equal balance of power necessarily, right? Because we inherently have generally more power as parents over our children. And what I would say here is that in, in instances like that, it really comes down to respect, right? So as a parent, can you respect your child enough to say, I don't like the way you're speaking to me right now. I'm going to walk away. I think we need to take a break from this as opposed to jumping right into a punitive, you know, you're punished. You don't talk to me that way and kind of escalating it because it's just going to keep everyone getting upset. That doesn't mean that there don't have to be consequences later, but in that moment, just saying, Hey, we need to call it quits. We both need a break here and vice versa. Being able to hear if your child says, I don't want to have this conversation right now because I don't want to be disrespectful to you, right? Or I don't like the way you're talking to me, so can we take a break? And being willing to hear and understand that. And that becomes, again, where this is rooted in wanting to build trust and respect and not wanting to hold or maintain some sort of power over the other person. Again, and I mentioned this before, when conflicts escalate, it's still important to try and see the other person's point of view. Even if you're angry, even if you don't agree with it, just being willing to hear them out after the dust settles a little bit and thinking about what their point of view is and hearing them. Because sometimes we say things that we don't really mean, or we say things that are hurtful unintentionally. And it's really important to remember that impact and intent are not the same. So if someone shares with you that you hurt them, even if it wasn't intentional, consider how you can take accountability for that action and commit to doing better in the future, if that's something that you want to do. Along the lines of that, as far as taking accountability comes with apologizing. Apologies can be tricky. Sometimes we feel embarrassed about how we behaved Or we get nervous that the other person might not want to forgive us. They might still be angry. But what is important to remember with a good and true apology is to be honest and to really mean what you are saying and take accountability for your actions and words and how they impacted the other person. And again, this really should go both ways, right? When there's a conflict, there's generally not just one person who's at fault, right? It's kind of, and your apology could even be something of like, you know what? I apologize that I I didn't take a break before we got into this and I got more upset than I wanted to. And that doesn't mean that you're giving up your point of view or you're saying that you don't stand by what your original thought or feeling was. It's just apologizing for the way it panned out. Finally, respecting boundaries is a really big piece of de-escalating a conflict. So after a conflict, you might feel ready to heal or come back to revisit the situation, but other people might not. They might still be angry. They might still need time. 
So suggesting that you try again is a great place to start. And also remember, it doesn't have to happen immediately. So giving others time to heal and feel comfortable to start over or readdress things is really important. So if someone who you have a conflict with says, look, I'm still not ready to talk. I still need space. Then give them their space and try again later. And also consider your own boundaries. If you feel like you need more time to think about what you want to say, or if you're still too angry to forgive someone, be okay with sharing that. Listen, I'm still mad at you. I need more time. I'll come to you when I'm ready. And that's really where that, again, that respect and trust comes in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that's such a great point to drive it home, Rachel, because even within conflict resolution, you let's say uh, an individual goes through all of the steps that you suggested and they take a break and they try to see the other points, point of view, they apologize um, and, and, and they also really take accountability. Even after all of those steps, sometimes an individual, and I think a lot of times might still not be ready to engage in getting back to the root of the problem or discussing it again. So respecting boundaries, I think, is such a good way to wrap it all up in that regardless of all the steps that you take, healing is such a process and it's something that we discuss so often within our services that we have to allow for people to internally absorb and process everything that's occurred and then when they are ready in their own time proceed and move forward if they will proceed and move forward so I think that's such a great way to drive this yeah absolutely that's it is and and conflict is a tricky thing in relationships especially when it's you know I think conflict is almost harder when it's the more you care about someone right like it's sometimes easier it's Sometimes it's easier to get over a conflict when there is less attachment involved with the person. Sometimes the hardest conflicts to get over are the ones where we care the most because that's the people who can hurt us the most because we care about them so much or because we're so invested in the relationship. So just being mindful of the more you approach a conflict with this idea of wanting to build respect and wanting to build trust, hopefully the easier it is for everyone involved to come to a solution and really being mindful of the fact that everyone has to come in with that mindset, right? In order for this, these conflict resolutions to work, everyone has to want to be a team player to make the things work. Right. And sometimes not everybody is on that mindset. And that's also something to consider Yeah, when moving forward. Yeah. And that's where those boundaries come in, right? For To protect yourself. Sometimes you're willing to take accountability. You're ready to address the conflict. You're ready to listen and move forward. And if the person is just continuing to hold on to, I just want to be right. And I just want to be angry then it's time to instill your own boundary and say, well, then this isn't a healthy time to address this. And when you're, you're ready to see things differently or you're ready to hear me out, then let me know. But I'm going to take a step back again until now. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with taking time to process. So thank you so much, Rachel. I really appreciate all of your expertise on the subject. I feel like this was 
such a great episode. I think you gave a lot of really tangible suggestions and scenarios for people to be able to apply to their own relationships. So very much appreciated. And if you like what you heard today, we encourage you to subscribe and leave a positive review of the podcast. If you want to learn more or find additional resources, activities, and videos about the con- about conflict, resolution, and relationships, follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at Safe at Home Foundation and on Twitter at Tori Safe at Home. You can also visit our website for more information, joetori.org. Thanks for listening to Safekeeping presented by the Joe Tory Safe at Home Foundation. Tune in next time. Thanks so much, Rachel. Thanks, Gabby. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, everyone. Bye.